What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Join as always on Monday morning. It's Mock Draft Monday, guys. I got Mello, I got Connor, and it is the last Mock Draft Monday of the 2019 draft season. I don't know if I should celebrate or cry. Uh, I'm probably going to do a little bit of both. There'll probably be happy tears, though. We've just done so many mock drafts this year. Uh, I'm glad that this is going to be the final one, and I'll tell you, I'm not putting anything else out there. This is the final round one mock draft for me for this year. I will not do another one. Yeah, it's time to let go, and and this one's fun because this is the finale. This is the what we think will happen. This is the latest we're hearing or what we're sold on, so this is always a fun show, and then before you know it, if your name is Matt Miller, you'll be moving on to the 2020 <laughs> class in a week. I was going to say, this is not my last one because I have a full seven-round mock draft coming out Thursday morning. So, and, and we can't even pretend to say week because I was in here Friday afternoon and he was like, do you have your list ready for 2020 yet? It's like my list. <laughs> yeah, what? My, my list <laughs> I, of I like what? the receivers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. I, I could run down some guys for you and talk about them, but I no list. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why they pay me the big bucks, boys. This show today, it is going to be our final mock draft. Also, Mello and I interviewed Cleland Farrell, uh, and we found out how to pronounce his name, so that was important. So you get that interview at the end of the mock draft, and I just want to remind folks, it's a big week for us at Bleach Report, a big week for us at Stick to Football. Tuesday night, in the BR offices, we're hosting an event with Manscaped. If you have not signed up already, unfortunately, it is too late. We sold out in a day, which is awesome. We appreciate you guys, but you'll have to look for the next event in the Northeast if you missed that one. Big news, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday day, we will be streaming our draft coverage live on the Bleacher Report app, the Bleacher Report YouTube channel, and BR's Twitter account. So if you want, and I've, I've pitched this so many times, guys, if you want... Uh, an experience different than NFL Network and ESPN. You want to hear our takes on players. You want kind of the the Adam Lefko experience with him hosting, Connor, Mello, and myself breaking it down at different points throughout the three-day event. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm very excited for it. it it's going to be, I think, awesome as well to get the three of us on camera together, something we've never done before. I mean, we did do our mock draft from the Senior Bowl, but I think that was a little different of a production a little different than quality. what we will have on Saturday. Absolutely, yes. Guys, let's get into the mock draft. A lot of these picks were very similar on, like Connor said, this is what we're hearing, what we think will happen, not what we would do, which means some of these players are not round one values for me, but I've heard they're going to go round one, so we got to put them in there. Let's start it here. The Arizona Cardinals, number one overall quarterback Kyler Murray Oklahoma still what I'm hearing even though people are hedging a little but I'm going with this one as we sit here four days out and I agree too it's just why change it now this is what's going to happen we know the first pick that's how I feel I mean this is it Kyler Murray anything else would shock me and this has been the number one overall pick for a long time all right pick number two the San Francisco 49ers are on the clock I believe this will be Nick Bosa from Ohio State. I think there is some internal conversation about Quinn and Nelson here, guys. But the Niners have, since John Lynch got in the building, have said, we got to find an edge rusher, got to find an edge rusher. Even after signing D Ford, I believe they try to draft to fill that other need up front. So Nick Bosa is the pick for me. He, and I'm going to agree with you, too. I think he's the pick. He just looks like too safe of a prospect, and he can do everything. He looks even better than his brother, Joey. So you got to go Nick Bosa, number two. Even after adding D Ford, they still want edge pass rush help, especially with a player graded as highly as Nick Bosa is. This is the pick right here. It's Nick Bosa. There's been a lot of rumors about other guys, including Quinn and Williams, but I'm riding with Nick Bosa all day here. 
So we all feel like we're probably going to go two for two in our mock drafts, right? So if you grade the Very mock com- drafts, comfortable with that. feel really good about it. Here's where things get interesting. It's pick number three overall. The New York Jets could go a lot of different directions. We all believe they will go defense, but they have also been outspoken about trading back. And this is the bad thing about when you write mock, dra- write mock drafts for a living and people analyze them and judge you on them is a trade happens and your mock draft can just fall apart immediately. This could happen to us Thursday night while the Jets are on the clock in a non-trade mock draft. I'm going to stick with them needing that edge rusher in Josh Allen from Kentucky. Quentin Williams is the best player on the board for me. He's actually my number one overall player guys, but I think Josh Allen is a close value and a bigger need. So he is the pick. Yeah, and I agree with you here with Josh Allen. Again, we can't trade. We agreed on that one. Uh, but I think this is where the draft starts. We've said that too many times. Um, if the Jets do stay here at number three, I expect Josh Allen, like Matt said. it This is the need for them. And so if they draft need, it's going to be Josh Allen. So unfortunately, fellas, this is where we have to part ways. <laughs> I, I think this will be, and this is crazy, this pick, because it, it really does change so many things after it with the trickle effect. I think the Jets, if they get stuck at this pick, will take Quinn and Williams. I think scouts are simply just too high on him. I know they have Leonard Williams. I know they paid Henry Anderson. They'll have to find a way to play all three of them together. I think Quinn and Williams is versatile enough to do that. So I think the Jets go Quinn and Williams here at three. And after this pick is where it really starts to have its effect. It really does. And and that will be the one that I, I will give the Jets credit. I know I said this a lot last year when we didn't know which quarterback they were going to take, they've done a very good job of eliminating leaks out of their building. So you try to piece things together about fit and scheme. You know, you look at where maybe they struck out in free agency, but it is, I don't feel great about predicting Josh Allen there. Maybe by Wednesday night when I'm finishing that mock draft, I will. Number four overall, the Oakland Raiders are on the clock with their first pick. We've heard a lot of rumors about a quarterback being a possibility here. I believe that they will take the best player on the board. I think Mike Mayock and John Gruden, um, they sent their scouts home. Maybe they're scheming up something big here, guys. But I believe that it will be Quentin Williams at this pick if he is available. If he's not, I believe it would be Devin White. But with Quentin on the board, it just makes too much sense. Even with Maurice Hurst playing as well as he did last year, even with P.J. Hall, whom they drafted in the second round, or excuse me, Reggie McKenzie did, Mike Mayock, new team, new regime, you got to get your guys in there. You want your first pick to be one that doesn't miss. Quentin Williams will not miss. He's my top player in the draft. And I really like Hurst last year, but I'm going to agree with you. I think that they, you can't get enough big guys up front. And you look at the three guys in the NFL that led the league in sacks last year. They weren't edge rushers. They were all interior rushers. You had, uh, who was Aaron Donald Aaron first. Donald. Uh, Chris Jones was up there. J.J. Watt. I think those were the top three guys. Those are all interior rushers. You can create pressure, and the Chargers, sorry, the Raiders have to, because they play the Chargers, they play uh, some other team, and then they play the Broncos, too. <laughs> you have to get after those quarterbacks. And if you're going to do that, why not take the best guy on the board? I'm with you guys. This team loves Quinn and Williams. They would absolutely take him. I'm not with you guys that he's available. I don't think he makes it to four. And I think the other player they like, Matt said it, is Devin White. So I go Devin White here to the Oakland Raiders at four. Some people will think that's a reach. A lot of teams do not. So if they can't get their top guy in Quinton Williams, this is the fallback option. I'll tell you why Devin uh, White is not a reach at four. Because at number five overall, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Devin White. And I'll say... The, the Buccaneers guys are a hard team to figure out right now because they are backed into a corner. Jason Light 
needs to draft for his job. You have a new head coach in Bruce Arians. We don't exactly know what direction they will go. Um, this is a hard team to figure out, but Todd Bowles, his defensive coordinator, would love to have Devin White in the middle of his defense. They let Quan Alexander walk. There's not an edge rusher uh, in our mock, in my mock draft, excuse me, that I think would be a value here. Ed Oliver would not shock me, but I don't think that that's the direction they go. I think it is Devin White. And I agree with you. I think it is Devin White. They have a huge hole in the middle of that defense, and Devin White can fill that need and come in and be an impact player. And they might be drafting for their job, but this is also a good, uh, good situation for your future because you have Devin White for five years to be the leader of that defense and really start to develop things. Maybe you keep Gerald McCoy for another year or so, let him play out his contracts. But you can build off of Devin White, exceptional player, one of the best on the board right now, so I'm going to take him at five as well. Did you copy my mock draft? It it really annoys me how much we agree <laughs> on the first uh well, couple picks. <laughs> a lot of uh, picks. Because I know that somebody out there is just going to be like, oh, little brother copied his mock draft. No, I didn't. Uh, I think we just spend too much time talking to one another. And this is the way that I really think that the draft is going to fall. There was actually one of these picks, and we'll get to it, where you made it before I did. And I was like, God dang it, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that in there because I knew someone was thinking it. Connor, yeah, definitely. you're up at five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are you hearing, buddy? This is where Josh Allen comes off the board. Now, I think the Bucs are one of the tougher teams at five if Devin White is gone. It seems like a layup that they would take him at five. I don't think he's going to be there. I'm with you, Matt, that Ed Oliver makes a ton of sense with the future of Gerald McCoy up in the air or maybe not even up in the air. It seems like it's kind of decided if they can get a defensive lineman. But I go Josh Allen here. I think they need edge help. I think Josh Allen, I've said it before, is a hybrid player that can do a lot of things. Todd Bowles loves speed in his defense, and Josh Allen would bring that right away. Yeah, and I, I will say, uh, speaking of that Oliver thing, this is one of those picks that I, I might actually change by Thursday morning, just depending on what, what information comes in. But looking at Tampa, they did sign Shaq Barrett and Dale Buchanan uh, in free agency. So we, we think, like, oh, this is a team that might go linebacker. Uh, looking at free agency, you start to get a little hesitant about that. Number six, the New York Giants, guys. We all three have the same pick here, and it is Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins. We're ignoring the smoke screen and saying it's Haskins at six. The smoke screens have just been too bad in New York. Uh, they yeah. said they, they've done everything they said they wouldn't. So uh, I do think that they need a quarterback. And if you can get Haskins here, second quarterback off the board, you need somebody to take Eli's spot, have Haskins come in, sit for a little bit, and then take over that New York Giants franchise. I know this is the only show or only publication that's been saying it, but we all think it's Dwayne Haskins. Everyone else thinks it's Daniel Jones, or a pass rusher, which is probably on the table. I just think it's on the table at 17. I think the Giants had no interest in moving up, and Haskins has always been their guy. So in this scenario, he falls to them at six, and I truly think that's what's going to happen on Thursday night. Pick number seven overall, and I teased this just a moment ago, where Mello and I were sitting here Friday. We're filling out our, our first draft of this mock draft. You're like, oh, well, this, this, and this. And I actually had Jawan Taylor going here at seven to the Jaguars. It was a pick that I've made a lot in some of our mock drafts. And Mello puts TJ Hawkinson. Just kind of looked over at him and was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. And then when you go look at Jacksonville's depth chart, they have made moves on the offensive line. They, they actually drafted Will Richardson in the fourth round last year. They signed Cedric Oboehe. So you start to think like, gosh, maybe they're okay with this offensive line. You know what they really need? A tight end. So that's why I'm going TJ Hawkinson here. It is a bit of a need pick, but I actually think Hawkinson 
is one of the five best players in this entire draft. So it's also a really, really good value. Yeah, I and I obviously made the pick too. They have some good targets on the outside with D.D. Westbrook and Marquise Lee. Plus, I mean, you bring in Nick Foles, maybe get Leonard Fournette back to running. I think something that's going to really help that out is a lineman or an inline blocker at tight end. If you can get Hawkinson, he helps out in the passing game. He helps out in the running game tremendously. Uh, great talent here. I think they target a tight end at this spot with Hawkinson and then maybe wait until later to take an offensive lineman. This was the first one where it was a true flip of the coin for me. TJ Hawkinson or Jawan Taylor. I'm going to go with Jawan Taylor just because I think Tom Coughlin is old school enough to believe in the value of the offensive line in the top 10. But I could see this one going either way. I just think they'll look at that line. They'll look at Taylor, a player they've done a ton of work on, and they'll they'll go for it with him. Yeah, I could see it. I, I have heard, I can't remember if I passed this along, there are some late like health concerns with Jawan Taylor. Or at least that's interesting. I've been told that, so maybe that just means somebody wants him to fall down the board. You never yeah, know right. this time of year. <laughs> yeah. uh, number eight, the Detroit Lions are on the clock. They signed Trey Flowers in free agency. I am still going D-line here. Montez Sweat. Another player we've heard some health concerns about here late. The the hurt issue that was found at the combine. He was still able to able to perform. My goodness, at the Senior Bowl, able to perform at the combine. There there are some question marks with him though. You know, kicked out of Mich- Michigan State for disciplinary reasons. Goes to Mississippi State, plays exceptionally well. And it, I've said for months on the show, I, I've heard that he's a player that a lot of people feel like didn't really love football, but seemed to turn it on this past year. Height, weight, speed is off the charts. I think Matt Patricia would fall in love with a guy like this. This is his Chandler Jones type player. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think you could play him opposite of Flowers and really disrupt things in the pocket. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if Sweat did take a fall because there is that minor heart condition. There is some of the other stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that we're looking at in the teens. But right here at number eight, Detroit Lions, I think they have to pull the trigger on Sweat and really get after the pass rush or after the quarterbacks. Eight overall is just too rich for me with sweat. I think new, I think Patricia will follow the New England model. They only really take super, super high character players and not saying sweat isn't that, but as you guys outlined, there are some concerns there with him. I went with Jonah Williams here. I think this would be the final piece for their offensive line, a versatile piece that'll protect Matt Stafford. And this just feels like a very high floor pick for a team that can kind of use one of those. So they went out and spent really big money on Trey Flowers. Now in the draft with their premium pick, they go to the other side of the trenches and add Jonah Williams. I love Jonah Williams, um, and he should be a top 10 pick, in my opinion. I just want to get that out there. Number nine overall, the Buffalo Bills. We are all in agreement. Again, this pick just makes too much sense. Ed Oliver from Houston gets in Sean McDermott's defense where they run a base 4-3. They're going to want a three technique in there. He's Leslie Frazier is the defensive coordinator. Look what he did with Geno Atkins. Look what McDermott did at all his stops. You need a pass rusher. They could put him next to our guy, Hard Hat Harry, uh, who could play in the one. Really round out your defensive line. I, I think this is a no-brainer if Ed Oliver is available. I agree, too. And the fact that we're having Ed Oliver take a fall here all the way to nine, he was regarded. I mean, this guy came out like a year ago, said he was going to come out in the draft. Uh, that's how great he was, but falls to nine here. I could also see Buffalo going with offensive linemen if Jonah Williams is there, uh, but I like this Ed Oliver pick. I think that you've done enough on offense via free agency that you can start to kind of fill some of those holes on defense and even maybe go best player available, which to some people definitely would be Ed Oliver.
Yeah, this one will break my heart just a little bit, but <laughs> it makes it makes too much sense. I mean, it'd be a great pick for them. I think Ed Oliver would have no problem fitting in right up there in Buffalo and kicking ass. So, I mean, I would have went uh, Jonah Williams here if he was available, but he is not. I have him going eighth, so ninth Ed Oliver's name comes off the board, which I think is still too late. First curse of the show goes to Connor Rogers, which is <laughs> a, uh, I bet no one had that in the pool. <laughs> Number 10 overall, the Denver Broncos guys, and we have some differing opinions here. I went Devin Bush, linebacker out of Michigan, and this was the hardest pick for me to make in the top 10. I I really felt like some of the others, you could piece together the information, the needs, the free agent strikeouts and hits. When it came to the Denver Broncos, we have heard so many connections to Drew Locke with John Elway. But I think looking at the team, you bring in Vic Fangio. You want to run that 3-4 defense. You know what you need? You need a Patrick Willis or Navarro Bowman type linebacker. They don't have that. They just don't have it. So I went with Devin Bush here from Michigan to be the inside Mike, to be the captain of that 3-4 defense. And I actually am going to start to disagree with you here, Matt. Finally. Even though like looking at it, I really want to take Devin Bush here because I think you're 100% right. And I think that John Elway is in kind of a win now situation where he wants to find that veteran quarterback in Flacco and hope that he can succeed, especially if you build a defense around him. So I would not be surprised at all if Devin Bush is the pick, but I think that Drew Locke is just uh, too much like Elway and what he wants in a quarterback, the athletic ability, the strong arm, they'll be able to sit behind uh, Flacco for a year or two. If Drew Locke can come in and do that, I think he's a boomer bust guy and could be a pro bowler uh, for the Broncos for many, many years. I want to be honest with this one. I've personally been saying Drew Locke since the senior bowl, and this is the first time I feel comfortable moving off of it. I think acquiring Joe Flacco will not only buy John Elway some time, but just not make them necessarily rush a quarterback pick here, which might sound a little crazy, but I'm not as sold that they will rush on taking a quarterback in this draft as I was a month ago. I went with Devin Bush as well. This is purely kind of a BPA situation for me. Uh, Devin Bush is probably a top 10 player in this class. And right at 10, it's a need for them getting an off-ball linebacker that can really be the defensive captain of the future for the next 10 years in Denver. So Denver, different strategy than what we've talked about before, but they add a great player for the middle of their defense with Devin Bush. The only thing that scares me, Connor, about our pick over Mellows is that Rich Scangarello, Joe Flacco does not fit his scheme at all. And I know like that that might be short-term thinking. If there's any, like for me, clue that the Broncos could go quarterback, it's that Flacco does not fit that Kyle Shanahan scheme at all, which just makes that signing even weirder. Uh, That's what's bizarre about it. it. Yeah, it's just not a scheme fit at all. Let's go to break, guys. We come back. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock at 11 overall. Guys, we are back. The Bengals are on the clock at 11 overall. This is where I'm taking Missouri's Drew Locke. I think with Zach Taylor coming in, you're not tied to Andy Dalton. You know what you have there, and it's not great. It's not terrible, but it's not great. If they're going to make a playoff run, if they're going to ever compete again, they got to change it at quarterback. So this is where Drew Locke comes off for me. And for me, if Drew Locke were available here, I think that would be the pick, but I had him going to the Broncos at number 10 overall. So I'm going to go with the guy that you guys already picked. I'm going to go with Devin Bush here. I think they need to get more athletic on defense, and if you want to do that, you might as well take one of the most athletic linebackers we've seen in a while. So Devin Bush here out of Michigan is going to go 11 overall. There's been a lot of noise with the Bengals and quarterbacks, specifically Dwayne Haskins. We don't believe he'll be here, so... 
They go with QB three of this class. Drew Locke start the Zach Taylor era off with his guy and he doesn't even have to play right away, which kind of builds a good situation here for Cincinnati. It really does. Number 12 overall, the Green Bay Packers, their first pick of the first round. We all three went with, I think, a best player available approach here. Mello, we both picked someone Connor had taken already. Connor, you took someone we had taken already. Jonah Williams is my pick. Not a, a prototypical Green Bay pick. They've generally not drafted offensive linemen in the first round, but this is a, a group that's beat up. Brian Belog is getting older. I, I think you can draft Jonah Williams, slide him in immediately at right tackle. He started there as a true freshman for Alabama. He could play guard. He could play center. I still think he could play left tackle. The Packers seem like a team that would just value someone who has incredible technique and could keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. We've seen him banged up. I think the actual priority here is not receivers or pass catchers, but it's keeping Aaron Rodgers upright. Yeah, and for me, if TJ Hawkinson were available, I think that would be the pick, but I already sent him somewhere else. So Jonah Williams right now fills a need, and I think he's the best player on the board, and I think the Packers are a team that can take him and come along and develop him, whether it's at right tackle for a little bit, if it's a right guard, and then eventually he takes over at left tackle, I would not be surprised at all. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy was all pro uh, his first couple years in the league because he's just that good. So if the Packers can get their hands on him, develop him all along the offensive line, I think Aaron Rodgers is happy. I think Packers fans are happy. We've seen great tight end prospects slide in the past, specifically O.J. Howard, one of the more recent ones. So this is where T.J. Hawkinson comes off the board. Not top 10, but still pretty damn good. Top 15. I think the low-key thing here, guys, is that he can help protect Aaron Rodgers. He's good in pass protection. They want to run the ball more, so you know, finally commit to Aaron Jones. He's a great run blocker, TJ Hawkinson. Obviously a good pass catcher, so if he's on the board here at 12, I do not see Green Bay passing on him. Absolutely love that. 13, the Miami Dolphins. We all have a similar position. This is where Rashawn Gary comes off the board for me. Uh, I think the Dolphins have an obvious need up front. Um, they've rebuilt that defensive line. Guys like I mean, Cameron Wake is gone. Robert Quinn is gone. They need a lot more from Charles Harris. They have no interior pass rush. They really could just go best defensive lineman available. And for me, that's Rashawn Gary. Yeah, and me too. I think he plays on a lot of different positions on their defense. He's not just an edge rusher. You could kick him in on third downs. You could play him even in the three-tech on first and second down. He plays everywhere, I think. So the Dolphins have a good fit here because he's not just a stand-up edge rusher. He's not just an end on their defense. He plays everywhere. I'm with you guys that they add a pass rusher, especially uh, especially an edge pass rusher, but Montez Sweat is still on the board here for me, so that's the pick. We've talked about it before on Mock Draft Monday. He's a ideal scheme fit down there in Miami with Brian Flores, and I'm just not buying that he goes in the top 10, so this is the landing spot for Montez Sweat. Number 14, the Atlanta Falcons. We all agree this pick needs to be up front. I will say the Falcons are a hard team to predict for. Last year, they took Calvin Ridley. No one saw that coming. So this could be a best player available type team. But I look at Scott Pioli and Thomas Dimitrov. They love D-line play. They love defensive tackles. I think they're going to take one look at Christian Wilkins and think, we put him next to Grady Jarrett, and we have something special in the middle. Christian Wilkins, high character guy, which is something that's very important to the Falcons. He's my pick here. And I love Christian Wilkins. I just think that they've kind of struck out when it comes to edge rushers. Uh, I know that Tack McKinley is still young, but Vic Beasley, uh, I think he's on his way out. In Atlanta, I think they haven't been happy with that production. So they're going to go edge rusher. And for me, that's Brian Burns out of Florida State. I like his versatility. I think that he is long enough and he's athletic enough that 
the Falcons are going to fall in love with him. He's everything that they're looking for, and they're hoping that Grady Jarrett is going to be there for a very long time, that they're going to get a contract done with him and then help get him some pressure from the outside with Brian Burns. I had the same thought process as Mello here. I think Vic Beasley, this is probably his last year in Atlanta. I know he's had a very good season in the past, but overall the play is just not consistent enough. So they take another swing here at a talented, explosive edge pass rusher. That guy is Brian Burns. If this guy doesn't go in the top 15, a lot of teams made a mistake. So a tough team to predict, like Matt said, but this is the pick for me, Brian Burns to Atlanta. I like that you guys drafted Vic Beasley to replace Vic Beasley, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Is that what you think again. of Brian Burns? <laughs> that That's was insulting. the cop Nagy gave me. Um, so I think I Burns has behind that one. He has so much more length and not as much ball. Yeah. I mean, Beasley was probably 6'3", 245 coming out of college. Yeah, probably. And Burns is like 6'5", 250. With his arm length is just ridiculous, it is. though. I agree. 15, Washington Redskins. Uh, this is an interesting pick because we all three have them taking Daniel Jones, quarterback out of Duke, which I think a lot of people are going to ask, okay, where does Josh Rosen go? Because we had Kyler Murray going first overall. And uh, we can interrupt the mock draft to say, I actually, in this, I believe that he would go to the Los Angeles Chargers. I think they want to get him out of the NFC. If it actually comes through, the Giants, we had taken Dwayne Haskins. So if the Redskins take Daniel Jones, Rosen's options Get start to get a little bit limited. I think New England and Los Angeles, New England with 12 oh. picks, by the way, become the obvious spots. Yeah, without a doubt. Maybe yeah. the Redskins, but I definitely think that he goes to one of those teams. I just don't know how Philip Rivers is going to react to being the quarterback and waiting guy. I don't think he's your mentor type. No, I think he believes he's probably got three years, three years left, probably. Now, he's got a lot of kids to take care of. He doesn't want to take care of somebody else and Josh Rosen. And then you're going to probably have to give up that 30th pick or whatever it is, 29, 28, 28th pick when you have a team that is on the cusp of getting to a Super Bowl. My hot take is that Rosen will not go for a first rounder. Oh. That's, I don't even think that's a hot take. I, I've said for a very long time that the Chargers are the favorite in this with their second round pick. I think that's the deal. Here's one. I don't I, think I, this yeah. is so random. The Packers have been sniffing around so many quarterbacks. Why wouldn't you just trade 44 for Rosen? He's cheap. Oh, yeah. And if you were like, because they already have one personality problem at quarterback, point. why add a second one? <laughs> That's a fair point. All right. 16, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we all have them going offensive line. This is where I have Jawan Taylor coming off the board. Plug and play right tackle prospect. He does great power in his game. He's, he's really reshaped his body. He was 380 pounds. Uh, as a high school senior, he's 312 pounds now. There's some work to be done, but his power play, especially in the run game, is really special. I think he comes right in and takes over that right tackle job for the Panthers. Yeah, I agree with you on that pick. I toyed around with taking maybe even a corner here, and then I went and I checked the depth chart, and I looked at that offensive line that the Panthers have, and it is terrible. Uh, they could draft five new linemen and probably have them all start this year. <laughs> so for me, my thought process was they're going to take the best lineman on the board. And right now that's Juwan Taylor, who can come in and plug and play at right tackle. Maybe by the end of the year, he's even playing left tackle. You're going to have so many Matt Paradis and Trey Turner fans in your mentions for that one, by the way. <laughs> they're already in my mentions. I, I don't <laughs> even care anymore. <laughs> Connor, you're up uh, 16, and you went offensive line as well. Yeah, similar thought process here, guys. Jawan Taylor, I had him come off the board seventh overall to the Jaguars. So for me, Cody Ford, I think he can be a very, very good right tackle at the next level. And I think 
A lot of teams are hoping that he makes it to them at the end of round one, and that's not happening. I don't know how many times we could say it. I mean, I know we've all often put him to Minnesota. I'm not convinced he even makes it there anymore. And just going back, I didn't get to talk about Daniel Jones to Washington. I know they like Dwayne Haskins a lot, and I'm not even fully convinced that they'll just take Jones to take him there if they can't get their guy. But the bottom line is everything I've heard is Daniel Jones is going in the first round. That's what that's what people oh, without need a doubt. to know here. Yeah, without a doubt. Like it or not. It's going to happen. Four quarterbacks going in the first round. Number 17 guys, the New York Giants, the pick that they traded um, to Cleveland in the Odell Beckham deal. Uh, we had them take Dwayne Haskins at six. We all go defense here, but a different position. I have Brian Burns here. They're moving to a 3-4 defense. Traded Olivier Vernon in part because he was not a scheme fit there. As you guys mentioned with Burns, very explosive off the edge. It has developed an advanced hand play. Definitely needs to get stronger, but that's why I like him more in a 3-4 than a 4-3. I think he could come in and be a you know a kickstarter on the edge here for them. And you're right about the need at defensive line, and I already had Brian Burns going. And the rest of the edge rushers, um, I'm not sold on them at pick number 17. So I actually went with a Clemson defensive lineman. I'm going Christian Wilkins because I think he can come in and play that three-tech immediately, and he can disrupt the quarterback just like we I mentioned earlier with guys like J.J. Watt and Chris Jones uh, and Aaron Donald. He can, he can do everything on the defensive line. And the fact that he's available at 17, I think the Giants would be very happy with that. I'm going defensive line as well, but I'm going Dexter Lawrence here. I have heard this name connected to the Giants at 17. Not the most popular first round name. I thought, you know, whether it was the suspension from the playoff or just having an okay year, some amazing splash plays, but overall consistency was just okay this year. Thought he'd be a top of round two pick, but it sounds like he's round one. So once again, something I've heard the Giants do not sleep on them taking Dexter Lawrence in this spot. I know that this isn't you're not advocating for that pick, Connor. That would sh- that would be a, a big surprise to me because they drafted Dalvin Tomlinson a couple years ago and he's a good nose tackle. And I just personally don't believe Dexter Williams could be a five tech. I just don't see oh, that I'm, from him. I'm with you. I, I don't really have an explana- explanation yeah. for it, <laughs> but it's the Giants and uh, Dave Gettleman does value as much depth as he can on the front seven. So, and another thing that I think BJ Hill is a very good player. Up yeah. I like BJ well. Hill a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, but I'm just putting it out there. I have heard these two uh, connected before. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. 18 Minnesota Vikings. They like Melo said with Carolina, they could draft five offensive linemen in this class. This is where I have Cody Ford coming off the board. There's been so much connecting these two, whether you believe he's a right tackle or a right guard Vikings actually need both. So it's a good fit. Um, they they did draft Brian O'Neill in the second last year. Uh, we should say that if they believe he can still develop, be a good player. Well, then you can have Cody Ford play left guard or right guard. Keep Pat Elfline at center. It's a fit. He's a fantastic physical run blocker. They want to commit more to the run game with Kevin Stefanski as offensive coordinator. So when I look at this, man, it's this one just makes too much sense. Yeah, plug-and-play guy, I agree with you. It's going to be Cody Ford, uh, best offensive lineman available. I think that's what Minnesota has to do, uh, regardless of if it's a guard or a tackle. You find one of those guys, and I don't even know what Cody Ford is yet. I think it depends on the team. So the Vikings can even get him in, or they've done their work. They know if he's a guard or a tackle, but I think that's the pick. For me here, I went Garrett Bradbury, and it's crazy how many teams I've heard connected to Garrett Bradbury at this point, whether it's... Baltimore, I know we've talked about the Chiefs on this show. A lot of teams at the end of round one looking for interior O-line help. But Minnesota, they're they're a team very much in this for Garrett Bradbury because the thought process is 
you can move Pat F line back to guard where he's played before uh, at uh, Ohio state and Bradbury can be your center. So, and like we've said before too, they do have, you know, some potential players at tackle already. So it's interesting. I have Cody Ford already off the board here. So I still go with a very, very good interior player in Bradbury. That is one of the be- best instant impact players in this draft. Yeah, I, I love Garrett Bradbury. We'll get to talk to him about him in a moment. 19, the Tennessee Titans. This is a tough one. I've heard Marquise Brown linked here. I just couldn't bring myself to do it because Jeffrey Simmons is on the board and he was their original love the first love of the Titans this year, um, depending on what happens, you know, with his injury situation, he might miss the whole 2019 season. He might not. Simmons is like a Richard Seymour type player from Mike Vrabel. I don't think he can say no to him. And the only thing about that that would worry me and everybody else is the health issue with the torn ACL. So I did not go that direction for the Titans. I went with the best pass catcher available, which I think is A.J. Brown. I think that he can come in and be an instant impact. You need to get some targets for whomever is going to play quarterback. If it is Marcus Mariota, if it's Ryan Tannehill, oh, dear God, you need some weapons. So go get A.J. Brown. He can play on the slot. He can play outside. You're probably not very happy with uh, Corey Davis that you drafted a while back. You have Walker at tight end there. So I'm going to go A.J. Brown at receiver. I went with Cleveland Farrell here, our guest on today's show. Um, I think Cleveland Farrell really fits Mike Vrabel's kind of player, his kind of pass rusher, just an alpha, nasty, productive, winning pedigree. So Cleveland Farrell, for whatever reason, has gotten zero buzz this entire I year. It. I don't. I don't have an explanation for it. He's a fantastic football player. He's a top 15 football player, and he's also has one of the highest floors in this class. I think that's the kind of guy Tennessee will be looking for here. For some reason, all we did during the college football season was talk about the Clemson defensive linemen and how great they were and how awesome they were going to be in the pros. And now that it's almost draft time, it's like, wait, why aren't we talking about guys like Christian Wilkins and Cleland Furl anymore? They're still very good prospects. And even Dexter Lawrence, who is going to take a fall here. I just I don't see how we went with such a 180 turn on these guys when they're still very good prospects. Mello, welcome to covering the draft professionally. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. uh, Peaks and valleys. Time, buddy, is a flat circle. Number 20 overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all have a corner going here, and it's the first corner. Big corners. (laughs) We have big corners. First corner off the board for each of us. I have Greedy Williams here. He's my top corner. They've been linked a lot. I think he Mm. matches what they want in terms of speed and length and got to get Artie Burns off the field. And I agree with you. They want speed and they want length. But I think if you're going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, you also have to be able to tackle. And Lonnie Johnson comes up and he provides that where Greedy Williams doesn't. So this isn't what I would do. I love Greedy Williams, but I think they're going to go with a more physical guy in Lonnie Johnson uh, who can come up and help in the run game a little bit more. For me, this will be one of the shockers of the draft. I think Pittsburgh takes Rockius in and I think he'll be the first corner off the board in this class. I'm I think fine with their this. type of corner. Um, I would take greedy uh, or Byron Murphy. I know Byron Murphy is not their type of corner at all, but I'm telling you, don't rule it out. Rock the first corner off the board to Pittsburgh. You know who will be whistling on the desk? If that happens, me. 
I will be so happy because there are some folks out there who got all God. up in my mentions on Twitter when I said that there was no effing way he was going to fall to the third round and that maybe they should calibrate their draft simulator. I forgot uh, about that. Yeah. It it's was like all, we don't hear from those guys on Twitter anymore. It was all, I'll be very happy because that will mean I nailed this prediction. <laughs> Rocky Sin's going round one, even if it doesn't happen here. But I hope it does for you, Connor. Uh, we'll be back after this. 21, the Seattle Seahawks are on the clock. All right, guys, we are back on the clock here at 21 overall, the Seattle Seahawks. I went a direction that I feel like I need to explain. I drafted Cleveland Furl, our guest on today's show, with the idea that if they trade Frank Clark, they're going to need a defensive end. I actually think Cleveland Farrell plays just like Frank Clark. If they don't trade him, well, now you have two of them, and that's a very good problem to have. Yeah, I really like Furl's game and everything about him. Uh, I went with a different direction, though. I'm going to go corner. We talked about Greedy Williams a little bit already with the speed and his ability to cover his length as well. I think the Seahawks are going to fall in love with that because that's what they're used to there. So I'm going to go Greedy Williams here at 21. I struggled so much with this pick because I think there's a good chance Seattle doesn't make this pick. I can yeah, see them. 100% try, agree. Right? I think they trade this pick. I think they know they need more selections. So here's my rationale here. I put Noah Fant to them because I know Noah Fant is going in the first round. <laughs> I can't figure I out that. where he's going, and I don't <laughs> think Seattle makes this pick. So I do think it would be a good pick if they took Noah Fant, but this is his range, and I think somebody's going to trade with them. It's just a difficult one. I really like uh, both your picks because I think they make a lot of sense here, but once again, I just think Seattle would like to get out of this. And teams know they got to get above the Ravens for a couple of players. That's why this this one has a shot of actually happening. Yeah. The Seahawks have four picks in this draft. Yeah, I don't yeah, think not there's gonna any chance of them drafting here at 21. Yeah. I totally agree. And I love that Connor's like, you know what? I want to get the point right for Noah Fant going in the first yeah, round. So. Fuck it. Yeah. Boom. I don't care. Put him in yeah. here. All right, 22, the Baltimore Ravens. This is where I have Garrett Bradbury come off the board. Uh, seamless player, man. Just plug and play. Mascara. Uh, not that good. I mean, there's a reason he wasn't drafted a couple of years ago. Uh, Garrett Bradbury comes in, solidifies this offensive line that would be really good. And also Marshall Yon is getting older. Uh, he was drafted in 2007. You're eventually going to have to replace that on the interior offensive line. Orlando Brown played amazingly well last year, <laughs> and he will tell you about it if you ever doubted him. You got Ronnie Stanley on the left side. This is a good O-line if you put Bradbury in there. Yeah, I agree with you, and a lot of people used to laugh at us when we had Garrett Bradbury going in the first round, saying that he wouldn't be. Now, I don't even know if he's going to be available at 22. I know Connor had him going earlier. I Super agree early. with that, uh, but if he's available here at 22, I definitely think the Ravens will be uh, running the card up to the desk. I think the Ravens definitely like him, but I think teams also found that out, and that's not good for them. Rashawn Gary coming off the board here. This kind of seems late for Rashawn Gary, but I don't know. It's just it's a tough sell for me in the top 20. Maybe there's a team out there that will do it. I think there's a lot of other talent that will go before him. Four quarterbacks off the board already also pushed him down the board. So the Ravens, when they take a player in the front seven, it's usually a hit. Rashawn Gary, maybe they could tap into that potential here. God, he would be terrifying there. The Terrell Suggs era is over, so they yeah. got to come up with something. Number 23, the Houston Texans. We all three have the same pick here. Andre Dillard, left tackle from Washington State. The rare four-year starter at left tackle. Dude has seen it all there. 
No, he's not incredibly powerful. He needs to work on his run fits a little bit, but that can happen. I think what he does is a polished, fluid pass protector is why you draft him to keep Deshaun Watson healthy. Yeah, that's exactly right. You have to keep Watson healthy, so go take the best tackle available. Very simple. They'd be fortunate if Dillard is sitting here at this pick. Number 24, guys, the Oakland Raiders' second pick in this draft. We had a mixture of Quinton Williams and Devin White going to them at four overall. This is where I think Mike Mayock remembers that he's a Philly guy. Or no, is he a Boston guy? He's a Philly guy. He's one of those guys. Damn, right when I said it, I was like, wait. From the Northeast. Yeah, I thought he was a Philly guy. Anyway. He's from Philly. Okay, thank you. I think he, and he loves toughness. If you've watched Mike Mayock's coverage of the draft the last 10 years, he likes toughness. You do not get tougher than the two-time state wrestling champion cornerback, Rocky Sin from Temple. Yeah, going in the first round there again. I like that pick, and I do think they addressed corner, but not yet. I'm going to give them a pass catcher. I like what they have on the outside, so I'm going to go with just an offensive weapon guy, uh, flex tight end. I'm going Noah Fant here. I, Connor earlier talked about you just want to get him in the first round. I think the Raiders just want a guy that can go out and catch the ball and help out on their offense, and I value him right here at 24. That's a good fit. Yeah, I think that's a really, really nice fit. <laughs> yeah. I went with Hollywood Brown. Uniting AB and Hollywood Brown here, I think this one has a very good chance of happening. And for me, Hollywood Brown is the first wide receiver off the board here in the draft and the only wide receiver I have going in round one, which might have some jaws hit the floor, but I don't know. I think it's very possible. I don't know, Jim. 25 overall, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, Connor, this is where I have Marquise Brown. So we are all very close on his value. I think the Eagles want to move on from Nelson Aguilar. They can do that here by getting Marquise. Um, he's one healthy man. He's explosive. He tore the hell out of our Longhorns uh, in the uh, Red River shootout. And he was hurt for the Big 12 championship game. They still beat us, which was amazing somehow. Um He's special, man. After the catch, there's no one like him in this draft. And a common theme with our three picks here is we all have them taking somebody who was injured. And I think the Eagles can do that because they're a team that does not have a lot of holes. You don't need a lot of immediate impact players. So I'm going to give them Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. I think they can wait on him, maybe even use what we've been referring to as a redshirt year, then have him come in and just wreak havoc on that defensive line. A he great and player. Cox together? Jesus. Yeah, they would just kill everybody in, in the <laughs> NFC East. So if you can get him at 25, I think the Eagles are okay with what they have at depth for defensive line this year. But then you start to add Jeffrey Simmons to that mix at the end of the year or even going into next year. It's going to be a very scary team. I'm with you all the way. The Eagles taking Jeffrey Simmons here. The only problem with that being out there is that maybe somebody does call Seattle to come up to 21 to take Jeffrey Simmons ahead of them. But if he's there and the Eagles are making this pick, I think it'll be him. 26 guys, the Indianapolis Colts, a team that we've all linked to Jeffrey Simmons in the past. He's not on the board. I still have them going defense. This is where Jonathan Abram, the only safety I have in round one, comes off. Pair him with Malik Hooker. You have something special in the secondary for a long, long time. I mean, this is like Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas being put together in Seattle, just the younger version of the two. And I am just tired of seeing us take this pick, so I kind of wanted to mix it up. Uh, I think that they spent a lot of money trying to get edge rushers this offseason. I know they have Justin Houston in there now, but I still think it's a need. So I'm going to take our guy, Cleveland Furl, here. Put him in a four-down defensive line. Uh, let him get after the quarterback. I think he is everything that you want Justin Houston to be for a fraction of the cost. I went with the same as Matt here. Jonathan Abram to Indy. I know they love these Mississippi State players, and 
The Colts are an interesting spot because you would think they would be a potential trade partner for Frank Clark if they can get that mega deal done. I haven't heard anything on that front yet. Going to be a very interesting scenario, but I'll tell you what, the NFL and NFL scouts like Jonathan Abram a lot more than Twitter does, and this guy should be going in the first round. People don't like Jonathan Abram on Twitter. He doesn't get first round hype across the board. Oh, yeah. baby. Just a guy yeah. that maybe has some question marks with coverage. And a lot of people are going to see that as like a first round safety, a guy that can cover, but it, he's more than that. He's 27 on my board. So I am a, I am a fan. Number 27, uh, the Oakland Raiders are on the board here again, again. <laughs> and my last pick, I talked about toughness and physicality. I'm going back to that. Well, somehow Josh Jacobs is still on the board running back from Alabama. This man is going first round. I believe it. I think enough smart football people will watch him play football instead of looking at his 40 yard dash time. Jacobs can catch. He can run. He has power. He has low wear and tear. Put him in Oakland. And this offense on paper is one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, I love that pick with Josh Jacobs going to Oakland. I think they definitely need a running back. I already had them taking Noah Fant uh, earlier in the pick in the draft. Sorry, but I disagree with you because they're going to take him at pick 35. I don't think they take him in the first round. I think they address corner here where I'm going to have them take Byron Murphy. There's just too much need where you can find a running back later for me. And they have pick 35. I think maybe that's where they start to target a running back, whether it be Josh Jacobs or even David Montgomery, if Jacobs is gone. I went with Josh Jacobs as well. I know there's a lot of people that laugh at the idea of the first round running back anymore. John Gruden and Mike Mayock are not those people. Josh Jacobs is worth a late first round pick. And I think Oakland, I know there's been a lot of talk about them, whether it was sending the scouts home, which I mean, whatever they got their top guys there, they're ready to rock. So I think they're going to have a really good draft. I'm excited to see what they do. And I think this offense will have a true identity with Jacobs in the backfield AB at wide receiver and his his cousin in Hollywood across from him. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Number 28, guys, the Los Angeles Chargers, one of the hardest teams to pick for in this entire draft. It's always hard when you're picking late and a team doesn't have a lot of identifiable needs. I went cornerback here because the Chargers have unfortunately kind of struck out here in the draft. Now, I love Casey Hayward and I like Desmond King a lot as kind of a versatile, you know, slot type player. They need another big corner on the outside. This is where Lonnie Johnson comes off for me. Kentucky corner, six foot two, moves very well. And like I said on on the Friday morning show, teams love Lonnie Johnson. I think he does make it into the top 40 picks. Yeah, I agree with you too, but I just, I thought they needed a defensive lineman and I didn't love any of the defensive linemen that I have available here. Uh, We were even talking about a little bit before Matt, maybe they reach for a guy like Tillery or Lawrence, but I don't see that being the case right now. I'm going to have them take Dalton Reisner because I think there are some holes on that offensive line. And uh, there's some guys who are getting older. You have Russell Okun, at left tackle, I think if you draft a guy like Dalton Reisner, he can come in and he can play either one of those spots on the right side, whether it be right guard or right tackle. And then maybe you see what he is and he can develop into a guy that can play on the left side at tackle. But if not, you still have a very good right guard or right tackle for your league, for your team for a very long time. Those picks make a ton of sense, but I still have Christian Wilkins on the board, who is a good defensive lineman. So can't not put him here to the Chargers. Would be a little bit of a surprise if he makes it this far. But crazier slides have happened, so the Chargers get that front seven help that they desperately need in Christian Wilkins in this spot. 29 overall, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, We all believe they need to go corner here. If they keep this pick, we could see them trade up. We could see them trade back. Steelers all over again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they really 
are an aggressive team, so we could see them move a lot. We could see this pick get traded to Seattle for Frank Clark. There's a lot of mystery, but I have them taking Byron Murphy. For a lot of teams, he's not a fit because he's a little bit small. He ran a 4-5-5, 40-yard dash. Those could tend to push a player out of the first round. I think the Chiefs look at his film, his ball skills. He's incredibly feisty, and they say, like, okay, you know what? We're fine with that. We need a plug-and-play starter at corner. It's a weak corner group in Kansas City. So I think Byron Murphy comes in here. Everything you just said, except for I'm going to take Rock Yassin. Thank you. Next. <laughs> I went, everything you guys just said, except I'm taking Greedy Williams. All right. So, no, but really, they'd be really fortunate to get Greedy in this spot. Surpri- Byron Murphy is my favorite corner in this class. I couldn't find a place for him in round one. Like Matt said, he's just he's not going to fit for a ton of teams in round one. He's a great player. They'll overthink it. Teams overthink it all the time. This pick is not overthinking it. Greedy Williams at 29 is fantastic. 30 overall, the Green Bay Packers are back on the clock. This is the spot where they've kind of been linked to some quarterbacks. Mello and I had them go Jonah Williams. Connor had them go TJ Hawkinson. So I get them on the board here with my own Iowa tight end. Noah Fant comes off the board. They do have Jimmy Graham. So you can see how they might use a player like Fant. I think Fant is a much better blocker than Jimmy Graham has ever been or ever will be. Mm -hmm. Much tougher at the catch point. You can work him, whether it's a tight end, slot receiver, just, just get him the damn ball. Yeah, and I'm going to go with, uh, apparently I'm the only guy on this podcast that likes receivers and wants to draft them. I'm going <laughs> to go with DK Metcalf here. I think they say they see DK and they say this guy has one trick, and it's a pretty damn good trick. If he can take the top off the defense and allow Devontae Adams and uh, even Jimmy Graham to do some things underneath an intermediate, they're going to be very happy with that. Aaron Rodgers says a very strong arm. Go ahead and throw that ball to a guy that can run a 4-3-40. Oh, yeah, by the way, 6-4-2-30. I think that they won't let him pass up here at pick number 30, especially since I already have Noah Fant gone. After giving them TJ Hawkinson at 12, they add to the interior offensive line here. Chris Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. I think, God, if you had those two guys, Aaron Rodgers will be living a lot more comfortably back there. So I think this is kind of Lindstrom's range right now. It's been a nice little rise for him over these last two months. He's not just the guy that you could take in the second round and plug and play right away. I think he's found his way into this round one conversation. It's interesting to me that we all three had them take interior offensive line and tight end. Uh, different, mm-hmm. yes. different players in different order, but we all had them addressing those areas. Well, Mello had DK Metcalf's basically a tight He's end. He's a tight end. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's the same idea. So number 31 overall, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, another team, I wouldn't be surprised if they got out of this pick just because they don't have a ton of ne- immediate needs. But one area they have to start thinking ahead about is the offensive line. So I had them go Chris Lindstrom here. You mentioned it, Connor. He's had a nice rise, especially for teams that want to run a lot of zone blocking. Mm-hmm. He is exceptional getting to the second level. It's so smooth operating against linebackers. He doesn't have a ton of power in his game. I think that's one downfall, but they drafted Joseph Noteboom in the third round last year to be a left guard. Another guy, very agile, good mover to the second level. I think you can look at Lidstrom. He is your right guard for the now. Get Austin Blythe off the field. Get get him in there and really start to rebuild that run game that fell apart down the stretch. 
Yeah, I really like that pick too, Matt. I'm going to go ahead and address the defense for him, though. They have a very talented secondary. It's kind of starting to be an aging secondary uh, with guys like Marcus Peters. I don't think he's going to be there very long. Aqib Tlaib's aging. Uh, Eric Weddle, it's already aging. So I'm going to take the best safety available for me, and right now that's Jonathan Abram. I think he is a lot more than a guy that can just come downhill and thump. I think he provides some things in coverage, and he can come play strong safety and and learn how to be that back-end leader from Eric Weddle for a year or two abram can be their premium version of mark Barron back there a guy yeah. that can play in the box but can give you more in coverage i went with the same thought process as matt only with dalton reisner the rare four position offensive lineman he can play right tackle center both guard spots so los angeles rams they would love to add a versatile piece for that offensive line here reisner obviously high character player Tons of playing time throughout his college career, made a name for himself even more so at the Senior Bowl. So I think this is his sweet spot in the draft. 32 overall guys, the defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. I mentioned earlier in the show, when I do a mock draft, I I oftentimes will look at known misses in free agency. The Patriots tried to trade for Odo Beckham Jr. They tried to trade for Sterling Shepard. They tried to sign Adam Humphreys. They tried to trade for Antonio Brown. None of those moves worked. I think this is the year the Patriots take a receiver in the draft. You might hear that and think, oh, they don't like any of the receivers. If a good enough one falls, I think they'll pull the trigger. I have A.J. Brown available here. He can play in the slot like Melo said earlier. He can play outside. Exceptional hands. A very good route runner. I think he's one of the few guys in this class that could come in and fit that scheme. And I agree with you, but I have Marquise Brown available. Yeah, that's not fair. I think that he can be that explosive weapon that they are looking for. And you know, I, I went with the same thing here. I think they're going to go with a guy that can come catch the ball. It just seems like they've tried to so many different times and have either missed or, you know, guys got suspended like Gordon. So I think that they will address if there's one of these guys that falls like a, a Hollywood Brown. I think they would take him at 32. I think they'd like to get younger in the secondary, something I've been consistently saying, something that they've prioritized in the past. So a name that could surprise you sneaking into round one after his pro day is Jawan Williams. And this is where I found a place for him. I think Stephon Gilmore is an absolutely fantastic football player. If they can add another young corner to that group with Jawan Williams here, who has the size and, you know, you hope that the speed is there. I know it was a question at the combine, but a lot of people think he answered it at his pro day. So New England adds a corner here with the last pick of the first round. Love it, guys. That's round one. Mello and I got a chance to sit down and talk to a great player that we all had in the first round here, Cleveland Furl. We'll go to that interview, and then we'll come back to close this thing out. Guys, we're excited to have a top 15 player in, in most of our opinions in this year's draft class. Cleveland Farrell, thanks to our friends at Hyundai. They actually documented Mello, his whole road to the NFL. You guys can check that out on their uh, YouTube page, also the social media channels to see his path to the draft and fans to get a closer look at his story. So, Cleveland, thank you for joining Stick to Football. We appreciate it. Appreciate y'all having me, man. I'm so excited for the upcoming day, man. It's, it's going to be a great experience. So excited. Appreciate y'all for having me. How do you pronounce your name? Because I thought I heard an interview where you said it was Cleland Furl. Uh, a lot of people are still going with Cleland Farrell, though. Is wh- Which way is it? You said it right the first time. Cleland Farrell, right? Okay. All right, good. Because people are telling us, man, like you don't know how to say this guy's name. So we appreciate the, you cleaning that up, man. Uh, I want to start off here. Um, the last game we saw you playing at Clemson, you dominated Jonah Williams in a play that I think a lot of people remember when they think of you as a player 
What was it like going up against Jonah? Uh, and you guys had battles and back-to-back years, and you're both seen as one of the best players at your position. What is that like seeing him again and again? Uh, man, I mean, I mean, that's what you go to college for. I mean, you go to college to play against the, anybody who's perceived as the best. So um, going against a guy like that, man, is always good for this for just for college football because you want to see the best players go against the best players. So it was really, really good, man. He was a tough competition. Uh, the, the biggest thing about that was just excited that we came out with the win. You know, I could care less about, uh, obviously, how I play has an effect on the game, but uh, I just was so more so happy that we whooped them on the scoreboard, really. So that was the best part about it, you know what I mean? Even if you would have whooped me, in the game, <laughs> as long as we won, I had something to talk about. You know what I mean? So I was, it was a great experience, man. And, I mean, that's what you play the game for, to compete against the best. Would you say that he is the best offensive lineman you faced during your time at Clemson? Uh, he, he was, a, in my, well, just in my opinion, I feel like he was the best one that I had faced uh, this year. Was there someone in previous years that you thought was there? We actually ran through all your games. Like, who's the best uh, offensive lineman that you faced, and Jonah was kind of the one we came up with. Was someone better from your freshman or sophomore year? Uh, yes, there was some. Uh, well, there was someone who gave me great, who gave me um, harder problems in my younger years. I won't say his name. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of waiting on that comeback when we get. He's in the NFL now, um, but I tell you this: he didn't play Alabama. But uh, they, he gave me a, he gave me some problems, but I, I know who he is, and, and I just can't wait to play against him when I get on to the next level, you know, or some payback. Yeah, I, I dig that, man, yeah, definitely. Uh, you guys had a very talented defensive line both your sophomore and junior year. I got to know, did you guys, like, all come together, and did you decide, like, all right, we're coming back, we want to make a run at this national championship, or did you each individually just decide on your own that you wanted to come back for your last year? Oh, yeah, I mean, we— it was a very individual um, process. You know, obviously we knew we knew that uh, it would be great if we all did come back. But I mean, when you're making this, a decision like that, that's on your life. You know, you can't just do it based off of what somebody else wants. You had to make the best decision for yourself personally. And just by the grace of God, we felt like the best decision for us and Grizzly was if was for us each of us to come back. So you know, it just made it even better as far as icing on the cake and us getting to go out with our brothers. So it was great. And to go out on top, especially uh, a lot of people have watched you, and we see you running a four three defense there, at Clemson. Is that something where you feel like you are a four three defensive end to the next level, or are you are you versatile enough to stand up and play as a three four outside linebacker? Oh my goodness! I mean, we we were in a four two five at Clemson base, but we rarely were in. Uh, we rarely, well, we did, but. <laughs> Clemson, our defense was so multiple, man. Like, you would see me standing up uh, in a 3-4-4-3 all the time. And I feel like my game isn't isn't predecessed on just being a a guy with his hand in the dirt. Like, I can do multiple things. And through my tape, I've shown that. You know, that's why I feel like my versatility is one of the things that sets me apart. And uh, so... No, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't put myself in that box. I mean, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm just a four-three in. I feel like I'm a guy who, who whatever position you put him in, to just rush the passer and have an effect on the line on the line of scrimmage and be disruptive. I mean, I feel like I fit into any defense that does that, and hopefully all defense. <laughs> I feel like all defense has a guy like that. So I feel like you know there really isn't a cap as far as I can you know have some type of effect. Yeah, man, I love your versatility coming in. I think you do fit either in a 4-3 or 3-4 defense, whatever teams, it, whatever they want, I think you can do it. Is there a range that you expect to be drafted at, though, maybe starting at 
you know, maybe even high as pick number five down to 14 or somewhere like that? Is there a range that you guys have had in mind? No, I don't, I don't expect to be drafted anywhere. You know, it's not in my hands. Um, I mean, I know, I know just based off of, you know, just who I am as a player. I know where I feel like, you know, my, I feel like I should go just as far as, you know, uh, just my talent or whatever, or just by how my, my resume, but, you know, based on, based on where I expect to go, you know, I couldn't give you a name because like I said, you know, it's not in my control. You know, teams have needs, teams, um, even though I feel like I might be better, they might just like another guy better. Like, I don't know. So it's really just out of my hands, and I can't let that control me. You know, I'll be happy with wherever I go, man. I'm just so excited for this process and just for the opportunity to get into the league because, you know, this whole thing about getting drafted in this spot, I mean, that doesn't really matter because, you know, once the draft is over, like, it's all reset. You know, nobody's in no more top 10 pick or top five or, first round pick like we're all the same you know we're all just rookies trying to make the team so that's all that really matters to me man me just going to the right place really one thing that, that we saw come out after the national championship game you guys had the nwa line uh who came up with the idea for that i'll make a little correction you, know, you gotta come you gotta come correct with the fact it wasn't nwa it was uh death row records from, okay uh, the, the, I apologize. The awards. <laughs> there we yeah, go from the sports awards come on Come on, come on now, come on now, gotta do your research, gotta do your research now. Uh, so was nice. that your idea? Um, so, <laughs> huh? Was that your idea then? Uh, we just always talked about if we ever, I mean, we had always, we had, me, me, and, me and Christian kind of always just talked about that, you know what I'm saying, made jokes about it, like, we ever, uh, it wasn't even the thought of what we were planning that, it just it kind of came up because we used to just make jokes about that or a dabble because, you know, he always dancing. <laughs> So if Dabo Suge Knight, who are you in this? Like which one from Death Row Records? Dabo is a Suge Knight. I'm Suge Knight. <laughs> there we go. So does that make you like the alpha of that group? No, yeah, yeah, that's right. Dabo, I'm I'm Suge Knight. Dabo would be uh he would be a uh, P. Diddy. See, 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 Death Row Records would be the players. <laughs> okay, I got Dabo you. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, who's Tupac? That's a tough one. I mean, I don't think you can label a guy like Christian Wilkins Snoop Dogg with like tall, lanky Snoop is not going to be Christian Wilkins. So no. you might have trouble there. Yeah, but I can see you as Suge Knight. I like uh, that one. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe Dexter. No, nah. <laughs> maybe Dexter Suge Knight. Maybe Dexter Suge Knight because he's big like Suge Knight was. So I don't know. Who knows? We just all in the group. It's all that matters. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think out of that group, you're going to have to be Snoop because you're not a small guy. But neither is Dexter and. You know, right, right. Wilkins sure right. as hell ain't either. Right, right, right. Exactly. That is true. That is true. That is true. So first sack in the NFL, how are you going to celebrate it? Oh, you trying to put me on the spot, man. Who knows? I just, I just say this, man. I might, I might bring back. I might, I might. I'm always going to carry the old celebration that comes to, you know, the setting the hook, you know, going fishing. But uh, who knows? That first one. That first one, it might just be pure emotion. So you might just see me acting crazy, yelling, screaming. Who knows? I, or I might, I might, I might keep it calm and have a nice, smooth celebration. Who knows? But uh, I, I mean, I'm thinking it might just be pure like emotion. Like yes, like I got. It. I can say I got one. I can say I got one. Shoot, you know what I mean? Because it's the, uh, it's so hard to say quarterback in, in that league, man. So it would just be a blessing to um, have an opportunity.
No, I think you're fine if you give them two pumps. If you go three, I think you get a suspension. You don't want to do that on your first sack. Right, 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 right. All right, man. Before we let you go, we play a game with all our guests, and it's just a word association game. So we say a word, you tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? All right, no politics. Yeah, yeah. No, And it's this is not a PG-13 show. You can say whatever you want. So first word, <laughs> seriously, first word, Dabo. Slam. Oh. Uh, what about Nick Saban? Lasso series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> I like that. I like one. that. Did you steal my tweet on that one? I, I tweeted that. I think. Uh, let's go, Christian Wilkins. Uh, Saint Bernard. <laughs> Is there a story behind that one that I don't know about? <laughs> he kind of looks like one. He's just like. I mean, he's just, he's just like a big dog. Like if we all dogs, Christian like that big old Saint Bernard that just runs up, jumps on your lap, and lick you on the face, like. So what kind of dog are you? I'm probably like that. I'm I'm probably that big dog from Sandlot. <laughs> that's, in, that's in the doghouse with the with the with the uh, baseballs. There we go. All right, next word for you, Kelly Bryant. Leader. All right, all right. Uh, what about Death Valley? Special. All right, you aced it, man. That's easy. That's all the questions we have for you, dude. We are rooting for you. Uh, good luck Thursday night. Uh, I'm sure you're going to look clean on the red carpet. We're looking forward to it. And uh, good luck in the NFL, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. All right, guys. That is our show for Mock Draft Monday, the last one of 2019. Next Monday, we will still be recapping the draft, of course. The Monday after that. Maybe, hopefully, 2020 mock draft if the guys will jump in there with me. Make sure you're checking out BR's coverage of the 2019 NFL Draft live Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday day, as well as subscribe to that and download the BR app. Subscribe to your team's channel. Connor and I will be grading every team's draft Saturday night. So you want to get those videos, check it out in the BR app. This is Stick to Football. We'll talk to you guys in just a few days. 